What just happened? Where's Ron? 7.30. Where were we at 7.30? I don't know. Going to Hagrid's? Come on, and we can't be seen. Hermione! Again, I'm, I don't even know if we should introduce ourselves every time. That sounds kind of obnoxious, so I'm going to skip. We're that. the same people, everyone. The, yeah, same, the same old people. punts you've gotten to know. <laughs> for for the third time. Um, so yeah, here we are with Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban because we're just going through this, and of course we choose the worst time to dive into a J.K. Rowling series, but gonna power through it. You know yeah. what? The books are separate from her Twitter feed at this point, and they've been separate for a while. I agree. Cool. So, all right, what are your first thoughts on, on this, since this is your favorite one? Yeah, I'm curious to see if that changes, but this was always my favorite book, probably my favorite movie. I mean, definitely my favorite movie. Stylistically and everything, it's beautiful. It, I think, explores Hogwarts grounds really well. Yeah. Like dark, eerie, magical way, and I love that. I completely agree with that. Because, what is it? In the, in the first two, it was so much CGI with the landscape that, honestly, it's off-putting to me. Uh, probably as when I was a kid, it didn't matter, but these days, it, it was really off-putting. And the, the landscape was a lot better. It was nice. Yeah, it aged well because of that, too. The only thing I wish, um, speaking of the landscape... And I'll probably dive into this a little bit later uh, as we get progress through the story. I wish the Whomping Willow was still more practical effecty than CGI, but I guess they wanted to give it a little bit more personality, especially since they used it for like the season changing. They always did a shot with it doing something. Yeah, I like that because it does foreshadow how important the Whomping Willow is later. And also all the times they show the clock tower because time is so important in this one. I thought oh. those were really cool to tie it all in. Yeah, yeah, there was there was some really great visual choices. And Yeah, they uh, went through glass a lot, which I don't know how they do those shots. I mean, I'm sure composited. it must be simple to someone who knows. Yeah, but like they went through the glass when they're showing the gears of the clock and then when the the Bogart scene, they're going kind of through the glass to the reflection of the students. Mm -hmm. It was that was pretty cool. Yeah, basically, I mean, it's just compositing. So they just took two, depending on how they did it, probably going through windows and stuff, they probably shot it with a green screen and then composited the other video in there behind the window. For the for the Bogart, they probably just shot them completely separate as they zoomed in on all the students in that scene. And then they probably had that mirror and then probably with like a green screen or, as well with that just so that they could just put the other image in. That's cool. Makes sense. And first thoughts, okay, on, on the book, I mm -hmm. definitely, we talked about this a little bit. We try not to discuss until we get to this, but we, we do keep in, you know, touch with each other on where we're at. And inevitably, some discussion happens before recording, but um, yeah, that first chapter had way too much summary. Oh, God, that so first chapter is the worst thing ever. But the rest of the writing was, I still think, better than the first two. It was... Um, more fun, I think. Yeah, the writing's better. She does, I mean, even 
throughout the rest of the book. She does a lot of those little recaps. Definitely not as much as she did with that first chapter, but I really hope she doesn't do that again in the other books because it's just going to piss me off. <laughs> um, I mean, it's been so long since I've read them, so I don't know if she does that or not, but I just, I remember always just being like, oh, she's recapping something. I'm going to skip this paragraph <laughs> uh, when yeah. I read them. Um, it's just, it's just a waste of time. I'm like, I remember this, so I'm not going to redo, I'm not going to relearn it. Like, there's no point. Oh God, we're getting the first cat meows of the episode. My bad. They're going to inevitably meow. They want oh, attention. Yeah. It's, it's all a good. thing. <laughs> I mean, if it happens at certain points, I can probably just edit it out or leave it in. It doesn't matter. We'll see if anyone listens and if they like the cat noises. Who knows? We'll, we'll ask you, listeners. Mm-hmm. We'll ask you, and if, if the first person to tell us how many meows were in an episode gets a, gets a free prize. Get some of our non-existent merch. Our invisible merch. We got invisible shirts, invisible hats. They're, they're, they look stunning these days. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. Thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think going back and rereading things closer together, which is probably the first time I've ever read and watched things, you know, in close proximity... There are a lot more changes than I remember in this movie, and most of them I'm perfectly fine with. Again, it's hard to narrow down a book to a movie that isn't the lengthiest thing ever. But what was curious to me is that the book makes Trelawney more legit. In the movie, she's kind of more of a bumbling, crazy person. And I remember Neville's about to drop something, and she warns him he's about to drop something, and then it happens. And of course, people, you know, the tittering girls are way taken with this in Mm -hmm. the book but that was kind of cool i mean we know she's legit because her prophecies i mean we know as people that have read through everything she prophesies harry and neville's you know dark lord prophecy and we know this happens towards the end of the book but the little things are kind of proving her legitimacy too in a way right i uh that's one thing like since you brought up you brought her up already i was wondering if technically she was actually right about harry dying yes i had that thought because of the time traveling stuff it affected the prophecy that's it's it's sort of like it was me trying to figure out how time works in that in that universe and if them time traveling it was inevitable which i guess in some sort of way it is because they do affect things that are happening to them specifically only in the book that we know for a fact that they did was harry stopping the dementors in the movie they take that a lot further which is actually really nice yeah, it was just sort of, I wonder, I wonder if she was actually correct on prophesizing his death, because he should have died. I think she was. And when we think about other people that have died because of Voldemort, they died later on in their years. So she made a point to tell him he had the shortest lifespan she had ever seen. Mm-hmm. And other than, God, what's her name? Moaning Myrtle? I mean, she dies young. We don't know if she was in Trelawney's class. But that is really curious that she was totally right on that i did write down the other things she prophesized and i don't think they came true or if they did the book didn't mention them her body was supposed to meet a dangerous man and neville's grandma seems to be okay from what we know and then lavender was supposed to have something bad happen on october 16th and it doesn't mention it but i don't know those were probably just false wait does i I thought it i thought it did mention that something bad happened because if you remember what was it It was like her dog or something died 
Yeah, but Hermione totally called that out because it was already, like, old or something else was happening. And it didn't happen exactly oh, yeah. on the date that Trelawney said. But can I mention, though, yeah, Hermione, it was really cool to have Ron. I mean, they're kind of, it's a bit of a reverse gender stereotype that Ron is totally taken with all of the superstitious stuff. And Hermione is calling it out, which I also think is kind of JK's way of making fun of. The astrology people, which I'm sorry, but y'all are crazy. <laughs> Birth month means nothing, but I don't know. I thought that was a cool little way to sneak that in. Well, was Ron taken with it? Or because I think even like he, he was just trying to figure it out. I don't know if he was like as taken. I sort of saw it as a I, I saw a lot of this book being a complete switch with Chamber of Secrets, where Hermione was very infatuated with Defense Against the Dark Star teacher. But now she has a problem with a specific teacher in this one. And then also with like the whole, the real people that saved the day. Last, in, in, in Chamber of Secrets, it was Harry and Ron and Hermione was in bed. But this time Ron was in the hospital and it was Hermione and Harry. So it was like sort of like that reverse, almost trying to just the, a complete switch of how things were done. Sort of using that same formula, but just switching the characters. Yeah, I see that. I mean, I thought it seemed like Ron was, he was very worried about Trelawney's predictions. And when they were in McGonagall's class, Ron was very nervous about it and saying, you know, what she had predicted about Harry and McGonagall's like, yeah, she said someone was going to die every year, which also could diminish her prediction with Harry, but it does end up true. So it's like, it's one of those things too, when horoscopes do get something right they're painting with a broad brush. So if you say every year a student's going to die and one year it does happen, like, okay. Unfortunately, time traveling messed up her prediction. One thing I'm mad they left out, it, again, this would have been kind of hard to do, but as we know, Sirius sends Harry the firebolt and Hermione tells McGonagall and it gets taken away. And I know Quidditch is hard to dedicate a lot of time to. I would have loved to see that match where he Patronuses Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle because they're pretending to be Dementors. That would have been hilarious. But I just thought it went to show her character that she's taking all these classes. Her friends aren't talking to her. And it was really touching that she still had time to help Hagrid look up laws to defend Buckbeak's case. Oh, yeah. Hermione was... She's also coming into her own as a badass in this one, which was kind of cool. Like, she's uh, more flagrant about school rules, and she... I mean, in the book, she slaps Malfoy. It was still great that someone hits Malfoy. Yeah. That was just really satisfying. I, I think with the Quidditch scene and some of those other choices, they had to get rid of... They wanted to give it the same running time as Chamber of Secrets. They probably could have kept all that in. They couldn't do that with all the additional stuff that they gave to the time traveling. Because really, in the movie, that takes up like almost a third of the time. Whereas in the book, that's kind of only like i don't know what like a chapter i think it was the whole sequence uh from from buckbeat to the time traveling was i think only like four chapters and only took up like i don't know a fifth of the book whereas that that whole sequence takes up for yeah a third of the movie their choices of changing a few things the thing that i'm pissed off with with changes and that they left out from the book was they left out my favorite character in this book which is sir cadogan oh yeah you know, you know the, the the knight on the horseback that's just ridiculous. That and replaces the fat lady. Yeah, because he's just hilarious. Like he's just hilarious. And then like, what is it like? He, he replaces her, and he specifically keeps changing the password on them and just make their lives miserable. He's just a fun little character, especially since I don't 
like because this is a, it, there was definitely a different actress that played the fat lady, and she plays the fat lady different, and I don't like the way the fat lady is played in this one. She was less regal and more. Well, she was like an opera singer or what this time. The fat lady before was supposed to be like oh, like a yeah, queen. I remember or the first one when they walk up and she's just like password. <laughs> she's just back straight, stern headmistress in a yeah, big yeah. gown. <laughs> and and now she's like very theatrical and over the yeah. top and in my opinion it just there's no point for it. It was completely unnecessary. I mean, I guess they wanted to give her more characterization but i thought i mean it's, it's a painting and already had her character established but they completely changed how her character is to being like an opera singer that's and true i don't know it was weird to me well this one had a few changes because either crab or goyle one of them is replaced i think in this one i didn't recognize the new actor and then i mean i recognize him from later movies obviously but one of them changes and then i know that apparently one of them oh, goes to yeah. jail in real life <laughs> and obviously this is new dumbledore yeah. because original dumbledore sadly passed which okay i i think the char the actor does fine i i think i don't know whose idea it was to put beads in his beard and he does have those really yellow long fingernails that just kind of bug me. I don't know who did that idea, but... I feel like that would be kind of a Dumbledore thing, though. Like, he's supposed to be... Like, the beads, like, he's supposed to be a little bit flamboyant. And long fingernails, he kind of doesn't really care what other people think of him. And it's not like... I mean, what? He only loved one person his entire life, and yeah, that but, guy okay, died. Because so. he's flamboyant in the books where he wears fun outfits. Not just beads. Like, in this one, he keeps a very same kind of robe, which is a nice robe, but they don't change that up too much to play out, you know, how silly he is. But, like, and I, I could see him having longer nails, but they just look dirty. I don't know how Dumbledore would vibe with dirty fingernails, but, I mean, you know, this is small. It's very small points. <laughs> maybe he, maybe he's a guitar player, you know. Did you maybe. ever think of that? I mean, he paces a lot in his study. Maybe he paces with a guitar. <laughs> he's not actually pacing he's like jamming out real hard on the, on, uh, on the guitar <laughs> it just looks like pacing on the two-person band that's him and fox mm -hmm. that would be oh uh, that's what we need okay, i have to talk about the big big problem the big leave out that to me is the whole point i love this book so much which is no backstory on the marauders oh yeah and where the hell mooney padfoot prongs I'm leaving someone out. Wormtail, duh. No, no explanation on the origin, which is just so sad to me. Cause that that was so cool when Harry finds out it's his dad and friends helping Lupin when he's a werewolf, becoming Animagus's Animagi. I don't know what the term is, but to help out their friend. And you also learn that Snape, you know, actually had a good reason not to like them because they could have gotten him killed by sending him to the Shrieking Shack to meet a werewolf alone. And, you know, Harry's dad does save him, but, like, it explains a lot of things. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Um, I didn't even think of that when watching the film, but I, I, I guess because I just had just finished the book, and so it, it just was already in my head. But, yeah, they don't really, they don't show that at all, which is... A real shame. And that's the whole reason Lupin even knows how the map works. Why he knows it never lies. They developed it. Mm -hmm. um, I was reading up on it. There's supposed to be a very complex spell that they use to track people. 
And then apparently the passageways were discovered because James would go out exploring with his invisibility cloak to find out all the ways in and out of Hogwarts, which is pretty damn cool. But yeah, that, that kind of bummed me out because also Harry clearly knows that his Patronus taking a stag shape represents his dad, but how? Because he was never told in this movie that his dad turned into a buck. I mean, it's just kind of, eh. It's definitely something that could have, it probably would have only added like five extra minutes, but they probably were afraid, oh, if we leave these people talking in the shack for so long, kids are going to get bored. They had to have that stupid over-the-top Whomping Willow action scene that annoys me. Because I hate obnoxious action sequences that aren't necessary. I mean, I know that it fights them a little bit in the book, but it just it just went on for like three or four minutes. And I'm like, this is unnecessary. We don't need this. Well, in the book, I want to say that Crookshanks had learned that there's a knot you press. Yeah, Crookshanks Crook yeah. helps them out. So it immobilizes And it. so it, it was just just a fun a, a fun action sequence and i just i find it annoying yeah it's sort of it's sort of like in my equivalent of in the second one where they have that harry falling out of the car as they're flying and it's unnecessary uh we don't need this it's already interesting enough the story like the story and everything is interesting enough we don't need this action sequence the only other issue i have big issue i have with the movie this is small but also not Harry is at the start of the movie trying to read his books and he's practicing Oh, magic. yeah. A thing we've established. I wrote this down too. You can't do outside of yeah. school. Time and time again. And we have him blowing up his aunt, which beautifully done in the mm -hmm. movie. Beautiful scene. So much fun. Dudley getting hit with the buttons. Love it to death. But that's such a big deal. He's worried he's going to be expelled, but he's doing his Lumos when he could have just used a flashlight. And I think in the book does use a flashlight yeah. to do his Because study. he can't use magic. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I wrote that down too. Cause it, I was like, it just popped out to me. I was like, this is stupid that he's trying to do it. Also, <laughs> apparently he sucks at it too. Cause he couldn't keep the light up for that long. Harry, Harry Potter couldn't keep it up for, mm -hmm. for long enough, you know? Oh my so God. he's, he, he's not good at, at making it last. So, <laughs> He's talking to his therapist. Everyone thinks I can keep it up because I'm so famous, <laughs> but I just, I struggle. <laughs> I struggle like the rest of you. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, another thing, uh, this is just a, me noticing editing stuff. On the night bus, when, when the, bu the bus slams twice and they use the exact same shot of Harry slamming into the front window, they use the same exact shot. I went back and like made sure, and I was like, "Yep, that is the <laughs> same exact shot." They 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 couldn't be bothered to have Harry slam in a different way or do the shot differently. Oh my god, I didn't even notice yeah. that. That's that's bad. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, really, really, <laughs> a, a a big budget movie, and we couldn't come up with something different to use. Maybe the other shots sucked, and they didn't want to use them. But it was just. It was jarring to me as someone who watches for that type of stuff. And can I just say, the night bus in general, when you've got access to magic in this universe, why is it impossible for the passengers to experience a, you know, calm bus ride <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not going to jolt them around regardless of what's happening outside? I, I'm sorry, just practical magic you would think would exist in this universe. I know there were beds in the bus in the book, 
but I don't think they were moving around, right? They were actually stationary. But I think that's just part of the wonky, weird aesthetic that they very much wanted to go for. Because like, it's it's like also with like the leaky cauldron, there was weird stuff. Harry was sleeping next to, next to a railroad track and it was shaking everything. And I'm assuming that was the King's Cross station, just to sort of show it without us having to go back there. But I personally like it just because visually it's fun. It, it does. It is extremely impractical in a in a real yeah. sense. And I like the random magic we see at the Leaky Cauldron. But it was kind of funny that the guy working there still had to wipe the tables, but then he could magic the chair onto the table. And I'm just like, I'm pretty sure there's magic for having things clean themselves, but I guess it, it's still a cool little pub shot. I, uh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because it, it, it actually annoyed me. This character doesn't have a name. He doesn't say a single line, but he annoyed the hell out of me because he was stirring his tea, but he, but he was willing to do his finger around the spoon, but wasn't willing to touch the spoon and actually stir his tea. I'm like, how are you that lazy? I mean, it's not even lazy. It's just like, you're just trying to show off. Like, what, what, what's the point of this? It's not good magic. Like, you're reading and... I kind of liked it, I mean, though. it looks cool, he but, like it, but he, he pissed me off as a person. <laughs> Look, the magical world can still have coffee shop hipsters. That makes no sense. I guess sense. that's true. I guess that's true. It was, I was cool with it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, he just pissed me off as a person. Like, I was cool with it visually as, and the choice, but, like, if, if I saw him in real life, I would be so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this reminds me. I was hanging out with a group of people years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they are kind of friends of a friend. And they would meet at Starbucks all the time. And there was a Waffle House literally right next to the Starbucks. And someone wants to go to Waffle House for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And so we walk over there. Again, it's like 15 feet. And this guy decided he, he forgot his lighter at Starbucks. So he gets in his car to drive over to get his lighter. And his friend just looks up at him and says... Never complain about being fat to me ever again. I was just like, Jesus Christ, but he's got a point. Yeah. <laughs> it's really not that far. <laughs> uh, all Sorry. for a lighter. Randomness. Was it like a normal Bic I, lighter too? Yes. Oh, it wasn't like a, like it wasn't like a fancy zipper. It was just a normal Bic. That's hilarious. But either way, you could walk over. Oh, yeah. Regardless of the type of lighter. It was, I'm thinking these two have kindred spirits. Another, uh, in, ter- in terms of like vi- nice visual touches, I did like in the scene where Snape becomes professor for the, for the dark arts class after Lupin's, you know, off doing his werewolf thing. When Malfoy has like a bandaged arm, he opens the textbook with it to show that like it's not actually really hurting him. So that was a nice oh, touch. nice. I didn't notice. And also Harry's a dick for stealing Neville's lollipop. What oh an asshole! God, yeah. <laughs> like he, Harry's such a dick when he's when he's in the invisibility cloak. Like he pushes people over. Like he doesn't care. Oh yeah, the whole chorus of people. Yeah. He's such a dick. <laughs> he just barrels. Like oh cool, you're invisible. Like let's not like even try to hide it. We're gonna just steal a lollipop and push kids over that are singing. Oh and. Teenage boys are so brazen. Me, even in an invisibility cloak, I wouldn't just be opening doors that are supposed to stay shut. Like, even in a magical world, people would be like, this door is not just supposed to open. But he's just casually opening doors to this secret meeting. Okay, and can I mention, that made way more sense in the movie. That you have 
this discussion happen in private quarters than just in the book. He, her, Harry, Hermione, Ron are sitting at this table behind, well, I think Hermione, like, magics the tree to block them from view because they're clearly talking about Sirius Black and Harry's not supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And they're just having this discussion in a bar about Sirius Black and why he's there where a m- bunch of people can overhear. And it makes much more sense how the movie did it that this would be a private conversation. Oh, yeah. No, I am com- I completely agree. I, I don't like how it's done in the book. Also, mm-hmm. somehow no one notices Harry's there in the book. Oh, he's just crouching under a table like, no one's going to see me. <laughs> he doesn't have his cloak with him. Like, I wish there was <laughs> someone that, like, noticed and just like, what the fuck is wrong with Harry? <laughs> like, just, like, have Neville notice just because just it's Neville. Just, like, have him just confused. One thing that's cool, I mean, the movie does show this as well, but I like that they had Ron catch on to Hermione's impossible schedule, and he keeps bringing it up, even though no one else notices. He's like, how the hell are you going to all these classes that are at the same time as each other? And she always just brushes him off. I, I, comp- I like that too, but at the same time, like, I've always, because uh, this is like how the, the movie does it. They stay in the same spot, and then they just, they'll appear there in the past, which I, I mean, I, I think... That's technically how it works, too, in the book. But I always assumed, at least from the book, Hermione went somewhere where she may not accidentally be in the same spot someone else is standing and, you know, accidentally be in the same space as someone else and morphed into them. Because you'd have to, like, choose a spot where you you know for a fact no one's going to be at. But she just appears in the classroom. But, I mean, it, it works great for the movie because it's a movie, but... It's just me thinking about it logically. I'm like... Um, I don't know about that. I It seemed from the movie, too, you just kind of go back in time, but you stay in the same position you're in. And I don't know, in the book, too, when they're in the hospital wing, I mean, I, they don't really explain how she's doing it the rest of the time, but I'm, I'm assuming she just appears somewhere near the classroom and just tries to walk in unnoticed, but then Ron's always like, when the hell did you arrive here? I don't think she's necessarily appearing in the middle of class in her seat but in the book yeah they they kind of just go back in time when they're in the hospital wing because that's another weird thing they left out well i mean again i understand for time but i know in the movie i mean in the book they use the time turner in the hospital wing because dumbledore's locked them in because he knows they'll be accused of doing something because when they had this whole conversation that Sirius is innocent snape and fudge are there mm-hmm. because they're trying to convince them of his innocence and you know, Snape's about to get his Order of Merlin second class award. And so they leave, they go back in time, they do everything, and they are supposed to get back for Dumbledore to lock them in again. And that does happen, that Snape bursts in, and he's like, I know they've done something. And Dumbledore's like, what are you talking about? I just locked them in there five minutes ago, and they couldn't have left. Which is kind of weird that, I guess only McGonagall knows that Hermione has the time turner, and obviously Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. I don't think the other teachers are aware. I wouldn't be surprised if the other teacher. Yeah, I guess technically the teachers wouldn't be able to know because... Because Snape doesn't know, or he probably would have suspected. Especially because in the book, Snape was going to get some sort of award, and so would have he would have known pretty obviously yeah, what happened. Order of Merlin, second class. I just said it. Oh, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> Does Ron never find out? I just realized that. In the book, they explain it. I'm sure in the movie, too. They just, they just left it out, show. yeah. You don't want to show someone re-explaining something that you've just seen, I guess. That's true. Oh, I think another nice touch uh, that the movie did better than the book was having Harry see Peter Pettigrew on the map over just Lupin seeing it. I thought that was a smart choice. Yeah. 
And it was a, a much faster way to have the whole talk with him and Snape and Lupin showing up to save the day. Because I think in the book what happens is, oh yeah, Harry is, it's just Ron that's at the Shrieking Shack getting harassed by Draco, Crab and Goyle, and Harry comes in to harass them, mm-hmm. you know, justifiably, whatever. And then the cloak slips, Malfoy sees his face, and then Harry is hauling ass to get back to the castle before he gets told on. Right. And Snape comes looking for him and finds him, and the whole thing happens. But it was, you know, a shorter way to do it, and that was cool. Because it's hard to convey... So in the moment, they're all in the Shrieking Shack, and Lupin and Sirius are trying to convince them that Pettigrew is the rat. You can't show Harry thinking about all the things like he was in the book when he's making up his mind, and them mentioning Peter Pettigrew, and you recalling with Harry that you've seen him on the map. Like, that that was cool to link those two together. Oh, I mean, the, the other nice thing that I liked at the movie was the additional stuff that Harry and Hermione had to do when they went to the past, like throwing the snails, and they had to work harder at getting Buckbeak go away, and they it sort of shows more that Dumbledore knew that they went to the past and helped Buckbeak and we're gonna we're going to save Sirius because you know he specifically forced the Minister of Magic and Hagrid and the Executioner to look off in a different direction as he knew it was taking them longer. Yeah, and I love how he suggests he also should sign his name, and they're like, "Well, let's get on with it." And he goes, "It's a very long name, Minister." <laughs> yeah, Which I thought was really cute. <laughs> He's definitely stalling. That was fantastic. Oh, so one thing I also thought was cool, they always describe, and Ron does as well through dialogue, and it's taken directly from the book, that you always feel cold when Dementors are there, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to show that visually, so I like that they added in everything freezing over when they come near. Yeah. Um, Because I actually don't know if that's mentioned exactly in the books, that, you know, like they have the water freezing, like I love that scene where Ron's looking outside, and you've got the ice on the window and the cup is freezing and then in the lake scene seriously whoever did the sound editing is amazing because the the noise of the lake freezing mm-hmm. is really beautiful um and yeah, I like yeah that, that I, there's also there's also that one shot and it was i think it was like the most artistic shot in the in the, in the entire film it's just like a tulip or something becoming frozen as like dementors passing by uh i just yeah that was cool and i was like good work Good work. We need more artistic shots. I'm wondering, shots. are the Dementors just killing vegetation every time they come near? Well, Is that what's happening? in the movie happening? world, they are. <laughs> I really thought was a cool thing that the movie added in was just at the start of it when they're all just hanging out in the Gryffindor, the dorms, and they're playing that game with the candy that makes you make animal noises. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was just kind of a cute little cozy scene to throw in for comic relief and just kind of... It feels like you're there. They are teenagers having fun. Yeah, exactly. This movie was pretty good at having good moments for comic relief. Like when Dumbledore keeps hitting Ron's leg. That was great. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And and the Whomping Willow scenes were always funny. Because mm. clearly Dumbledore's super aware. So he's very much aware that he's hitting Ron's leg. Like, he's purposely doing it. So is Dumbledore a dick? <laughs> Does he hate Ron? <laughs> Well, I'm actually, I know a lot of people have issue with it. I mean, it's funny, but also it doesn't really make sense with who Dumbledore is that he's just consciously hurting someone. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense for him. I don't know. It was just something I was throwing out there. Um, Oh, oh, okay. I don't remember if the book does this, but it was cool that 
so they've got Malfoy acting up his injury, right? Mm-hmm. And they have that shot when they're sweeping over the dining hall, and he's talking to, I forget her name, but she's always the Slytherin girl doting on him. Yeah, she's kind of uh, she's what becomes his girlfriend later Pansy? on. Yeah, Pansy. Yeah. Pansy Parkinson, right? So, and he's you know just hamming it up and saying, oh, they're gonna, I might, I might have lost my arm, right? And then they have a nice parallel. Because this movie's trying to establish the whole Ron Hermione thing when she grabs his arm, his hand, when Harry is facing down Buckbeak mm-hmm. and they're nervous. But also at the end, after they're sitting there by the Whomping Willow and Harry's having his chat with Sirius, which is beautiful, and you're like, oh, for a second you think they are going to get to live together, but you know, you never get what you want. Nope, um, especially if you're Harry But Pond. yeah, they're sitting there. I know. <laughs> but they're sitting there and she's like, oh, does it hurt? And he's like, yeah, they might have to cut it off. Yeah. And it was just like, it was a direct reference, I thought, which was cute. Yeah, that's a nice little stuff that makes it feel more like kids and real. And Malfoy's doing it because he's talking to a girl and wants her, her to be interested in him. So. And other little details. So I really liked, I think whoever acted as Stanley Shunpike, movie version just has a lot more, he's more fun. Mm-hmm. He's more fleshed out because that actor does such a good job with Stanley Shunpike. I liked him a lot. And then there's that fantastic just little addition of when Hermione puts the time turner on both of them and she's starting to dial it and Harry goes to touch and she just slaps his hand away. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the extra visual acting that, that, that really fills out the scenes. It's really nice. And an issue I have. So I guess this was just to isolate Harry further. It's a very, like they're starting to have some of the representations of how Harry is still isolated from a lot of people because of his specific experiences. And, you know, like with the Dementors, he's feeling like he's the only one affected by them. And that's kind of hammered in. And the movie does that visually really well. I know there's a scene where they're talking to Hagrid that Buckbeak sentenced to death. And he's literally, they've got Harry sitting opposite of Ron and Hermione. Like they're representing it visually in a lot of weird ways. But mm-hmm. okay. It doesn't make sense, knowing who his family is, that they still require a guardian to sign that he can go to Hogsmeade when they know who the Dursleys are. And there's no way around it for some weird bureaucratic reason. But for some reason, because Sirius signs his permission slip, who is a fugitive on the run, Dumbledore will accept that over the fact that he could just approve Harry to go to Hogsmeade. Like, this is a silly, silly thing I mean, to harp on. To be fair, they're dicks every year when they force Harry to go back to the Dursleys. Like, they- Well, although they explain that later, that he's protected there. Right, yeah, I guess that's true. Also, can we mention how, how uh, Peter Pettigrew is uh, the, biggest, the biggest creep of all time because he slept with an underage kid for, for 12 years? oh god (laughs) yeah i guess or oh and that is kind of cool um there's a lot of hinting i mean there's more scabbers in this one for sure but it was cool that they had all these little hints and i forget if the book had them but i'm sure you know how they go to egypt and then ron mentions even scabbers was happy there and it makes sense because he knows sirius has broken out and is going to come looking for him but egypt is so far away yeah so he's getting to relax like that there was some really cool hints like that thrown in yeah i can't remember if they did that in the book she might have mentioned that i don't know it was such a quick little thing so oh and in the book so 
In the movie, it shows that Scabbers is missing, and Ron's blaming Hermione and Crookshanks for it, but in the book, it was a bit more intense than that because he literally, I think, cut himself to leave some blood on Ron's bed mm -hmm. to really suggest something happened and then disappears off to Hagrid's hut, which I guess it would make sense you'd feel safe from Sirius just being able to turn up there because unless he's teaching or out, for the most part, Hagrid's always there and Fang and whatever, but... Um, and no one would expect you to be in Hagrid's hut, I guess, is the thinking. Yeah. I'm, um, like, I always wonder, though, why didn't Peter just, you know, completely run off? I don't know. I guess Sirius is always running around the grounds. I don't know. He must have, like, his scent or something as a dog. Maybe. And it doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. I mean, it must be hard to survive even maybe as an Animagus rat. Mm-hmm. But he could just more fact to being human but he's supposed to be dead so i guess it does make sense he's hiding out because he's supposed to be dead and doesn't want anyone finding him or realizing he faked it yeah i mean sirius is running around i'm sure not always as a dog so i don't know yeah but sirius is better at things true that's part of the whole thing is peter pettigrew never good at anything good old so. padfoot i know right sirius is definitely my favorite character oh same actually he's tied with fred <laughs> I like Fred. Uh, specifically, Fred has had better zingers for me. I don't know. I love both Weasley twins, but... I, I, I r recently realized why Sirius is named Sirius, though. Oh, yeah, because it's one of the stars in the... Yeah, yeah the Sirius star, and it's a dog. It's also known as the dog star, which is why he's a dog. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. I, I, I randomly stumbled upon Sirius star like in a completely different context. And I, I forgot, oh, I was looking up something, and it came up, and I was like, what's serious? I was like, I've never, like, because, you know, it's not the most common name. So clicked on it, learned it was a star, and the dog star. I was like, oh, connection, got it. That's why she did that. Clever. Oh, yeah, it's part of the um, Canis Major constellation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she has a lot of cute little references like that. So she hates astrology, but loves astrology for naming things, huh? Okay, I had a really weird thought mm -hmm. watching this movie when Snape is taking over Lupin's class. He's going over the different ways someone can become a werewolf. And I think this is the first time I really... Because he's it's pretty quiet and I think they're already fading into something. But I was reading the subtitles and he's talking about you can be bitten, right? Mm -hmm. But you can also turn into a werewolf if you've been bestowed with, or I guess born with, special like transformation shape-shifting skills. So... It had me thinking, this is going to be very PG-13R, so if anyone has let their kids listen to this, now's a good time to stop, even though I don't know why you would let kids listen to this. But, so, Tonks is a shapeshifter. Oh, yeah. So I, I wonder, for one thing, in a cute way, she could be turning into her with just to keep him company and he doesn't attack her, but, like, did they do some kinky furry shit? Ooh, <laughs> God, I hope so. a werewolf. I mean, it makes their relationship that much cuter, but also it makes sense. She has the ability. I mean, it'd be great because, like, if he takes that potion, you know, he still has a human mind and not a werewolf mind. So, oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. I'm just saying, food for thought, y'all. Food for thought. All right. Someone's got to make this porn parody. I would be surprised if there isn't already fanfic about this. Uh, I'm not going to go look for it. If someone wants to, we'll do an entire po we'll do an entire <laughs> podcast on on fanfic. 
erotica. I'll definitely read it, but I'm not gonna... <laughs> uh, yeah. But all in all, it was fun this time around too. I'm excited to get into the heftier books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, not looking forward to the next movie though. Pisses me off to 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 that movie like right sucks. end. Yeah, it's like everything that's cool about this movie they comp they the director gets rid of in the next one, and it's like why? I have a lot of ranting about that. I'm gonna save it. Yeah. I'm not gonna do it now, but it's gonna be a, an angry episode. Everyone. <laughs> oh, one last thing because I just remembered it. I just noticed I wrote it down. Um, so in the book, when they're at the shrieking shack and every and they're talking about things and. In the book, Sirius goes into how he escaped Azkaban. He talks about how he was starving, and as a dog, he, he, when, he, when he basically was starving, he became really skinny, and as a dog, he was skinny enough to get through the bars. So in the book version, Harry is a fucking idiot for saying, oh, we're going to send Peter Pettigrew to Azkaban, who turns into a rat who could easily escape. Like, well, wait. This is no, right after. Here's the thing. No, this is right after they that he's talking about escaping b through the bars. Like, wait, but this is why it's not stupid. So Sirius gets away with it because no one knows he's an animagus. This was a secret the friends kept. Obviously, when they turn Pettigrew in, they're going to tell them he's an animagus, and I'm sure in the Wizarding World there are special provisions for not letting an animagus escape. But Sirius got away with it because no one knew. Yeah, but now Sirius is gonna be in trouble for never d divulging that he was an animagus. Like, there's gotta be some yeah, punishment I mean, for that too. They were minors, you know. Who knows? Who knows how law works in the Wizarding World? They're not minors anymore. True. I don't know. I just was like. Because in the book, he, Harry specifically says, we're going to send him to Azkaban to be with the Dementors. And I'm like, Harry, come on. Don't be so simple. Like, we just, we just went through how you can escape from it. Yeah. Again, I still think I, they're going to have something in place for not letting someone turn into a rat and escape. But, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, I don't I, know. And I also realized, I don't know, watching this one, I realized all the Marauders have pretty sad lives. Um, oh, yeah. Because, like, they're all pretty good. I mean, obviously not Peter Pettigrew, but Lupin has to live with the guilt that he was a werewolf. Dumbledore knew even when he was a student and had let him use the Shrieking Shack to hide out and not attack people and kind of keep him in check. And he's still having his friends sneak around with him. And he even mentions in the book that one time he almost attacked someone because they were going out like they shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And even with his friends there as animals, you know, it was dangerous. And he did almost hurt Snape because Sirius sent him in there as a joke. I mean, yeah, Severus Snape, my bad. And so, like, he's carrying this guilt forever and he's had a chance to come back and obviously he does great as a professor but he's still carrying that around from when he was younger and then there is this incident where he turns into a werewolf because he forgets to also how does he forget to drink his potion that's what i've always wondered mention, this is something i don't know like i know people forget to take their birth control but i mean <laughs> it's still you'd think you'd remember if you turn into a ravenous monster one once a month 
But um, especially since it, like, I guess it's a tough day. Well, especially like isn't it like serious serious uh, bring some of his potion? Which I think in the book they do a better job of that because serious mentions Severus. Yeah, fuck me. Um, Severus. I did that too. It's yeah. okay. It's just too many asses. Um, Severus mentions, I believe, that he was following them because he was trying to bring Lupin the potion. Or he went to bring him the potion. This also didn't make sense. He just gets on to Harry for leaving the map or having the map. And Snape comes to bring him his potion and finds out where he is and who he's with because he left the Marauder's map open on his desk, which makes Booklopin really stupid to just leave that out where anyone could find it. I mean, maybe he's running off because he's like, oh shit, my friend's here and Harry and Hermione and Ron are there. This could be bad. And I see Peter Pettigrew on the map. The fuck's going on? But it doesn't quite paint him in the most intelligent light. Yeah, that's the issue with some of the book, but what can you do? Oh, and then Sirius. Also, I love his character. I mean, he he turns into Padfoot to protect his friend. He gets framed by Peter Pettigrew. He has to go to Azkaban for 13 fucking years. 11 years? A lot of years. 12. 12. In the middle. Look at that. He has to live there for that long. Keep his sanity for the most part, somehow, comes out with some pretty sick prison tats, finds his nephew, they almost clear his name, but shit goes awry because Lupin forgets to take his potion (laughs) and then (laughs) has a taste at freedom, potentially has to, you know, gets to have his godson who reminds him so much of his dead best friend live with him, it all goes shot to hell, has to be on the lam again, and then fucking dies because his crazy cousin kills him. Like, it's just a sad... Oh, and while he's in hiding for the second time, he has to live in his bullshit family home where he, you know, had to deal with his dumb, noble-minded parents who are very mudblood racist and all that. It's just, it's crazy. Sirius's life, man. I just realized, does Sirius not keep Buckbeat? Yeah, I don't know what happens to Buckbeak after... I don't think it ever mentions it. Like, I mean, it's been so long, but, like, why would you give that up? You got a fucking hippogriff. Well, it's probably hard to keep it indoors. and I mean, I'm sure they live okay in the wild. They probably just wanted to set it free, but yeah. I can't see Buckbeak inside of Grimwald Place <laughs> in that narrow-ass home just chilling. Poor Buckbeak. We'll never know. Oh, and can we just mention, though, Buckbeak saves the fucking day. Oh, yeah. Without Buckbeak, they would have been screwed because... Well, maybe. They didn't have the firebolt. At least in the book. Really? If, if I remember correctly, in the book, Dumbledore even mentions to them that the firebolt was locked in Lupin's place or something at the time. I can't remember. But, and then they don't do anything with it in the, in the book. But He had it. No, Harry had it. So they take the firebolt and they do a bunch of testing. And then McGonagall gives in, and before the last Quidditch match, because she knows they can win the cup, she lets Harry use it. Right. So he definitely had it at the end. Really, I mean, in, in a way, they didn't need Buckbeak. They could have just given Sirius the firebolt. I think the idea was to get Buckbeak off the grounds as well, in case it was spotted, and they're like, aren't you supposed to be dead? But yeah, yeah I know what you mean. And oh, mm-hmm. I know again, this was probably, because of the way they made the movie, it was hard to show this. And it's fine, but it was really touching when Harry gets the letter from Sirius after he got away, and he's mentioning he's going to 
reappear to throw them off his trail and just show himself to some muggles because, you know, in the book, muggles were also aware of the fact that someone was on the loose. They just didn't know about him and why because they don't know about the wizarding world. Right. And so he also mentions that the firebolt was a gift from his godfather for, you know, 13 years worth of birthday presents. He couldn't give him and it was really cute. Yeah. Oh, serious. What a man. I know, man. I was very much in love with serious as a character i mean can you blame him it's played by gary oldman (laughs) oh and they magically fix his teeth by the later movies i think because he has some like gnarly prison teeth but i think that goes away again you think the wizarding world's got a lot of provisions for these things i'm sure fixing someone's teeth is pretty easy but there's specifically wizard dentists I do. I found myself wondering, like, does what kind of extra schooling does someone like Madame Pomfrey have to do? Like, they probably have wizarding doctor school. Yeah. Also, uh, because Hermione takes this course, I was trying to figure out. I mean, I, I didn't really look into it, but is there wizarding math? Is that what arithmancy is, or is that actually something that I did not I really decide to look up? And I'm going to look it up right now and try to see if it is anything. There's some practical courses you'd think even wizards would have to take. Like, math is useful for everyone. Arithmancy. Okay. It's, it's a magical discipline that studies the magical properties of numbers, including predicting the future with numbers and numerology. So Hermione hated the, the divinity course, but loved this predicting the future with numbers and numerology. Interesting. Well, okay, look, they are in a magical universe. So, I mean, we do know certain numbers have magical attributes in this universe. Like, there was something I read about how Ginny, because she's a, the seventh witch of a seventh witch or something, mm-hmm. she's particularly strong. I don't know. Well, but that's because she's using the God number rule with J.K. Rowling, using all the, the Christian yeah. uh, symbolism, because seven's God's um, number. And even Dumbledore says, like, he's kept Trelawney around because she does make good predictions every once in a while. I like but. I like in the book he, he, he when Harry tells her that um, she predicted you know Peter Pettigrew returning, he's like, oh, she made a second. She, that's the second prophecy she's made true. I should give her a raise. And I thought yeah. that was great. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. And I've almost forgot my favorite damn thing about this book. I again wish they would have kept. It's just one line, right? Mm-hmm. When they're sneaking around and Harry is, holy shit, like. We just went back in time, and he's still wrapping his mind around it. They're running down to Hagrid's hut, and he turns to Hermione and says, this is the weirdest thing we've ever done. <laughs> it was just so fantastic. <laughs> I wish they kept that line. It was, like, the most self-aware the books have been, and yeah. Yeah. For some reason, I may- maybe he tried to do it in the book, too. I don't know. It was just, like, he was trying to interfere directly. Yeah. And maybe, I think, I mean, I know Hermione did mention about Wizards ending up killing themselves and whatnot when they when they mess with time. Which, okay, I get it. That being said, if you're going back in time to a version of you that already knows about the time turner, why would that freak you out? And she does play it off in the movie when she looks back and realizes that's probably her hiding out in the trees. And she's like, oh, if that's me, I shouldn't mess with it and keeps going. Mm-hmm. I can see dumber people messing it up, but it... It makes sense if you're going back in time and you already know you have the ability to go back in time, why would you kill that version of yourself when you know something interesting is probably going on? I don't know. No, I'm, I, I, I 
I'm with you on that. But also, even though Hermione is the brightest witch of her age, blah, 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 yada, 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 who in their right mind at the ministry would give a 13-year-old time-traveling abilities? I don't care how bright someone is. If someone's that bright, they're going to come up with some crazy way to use the time-traveling. I mean, supposedly Hermione is some super straight-laced kid that is slowly becoming straight, less straight or lace in this book, but who would allow, when it's, when it's already like apparently a crazy thing for adult wizard and witches to use, they're going to give it to a 13-year-old. Yeah, I mean, you know, apparently McGonagall and Dumbledore wrote letters about why she's trustworthy, but I kind of see what you mean. Mm-hmm. The wizarding world seems to do some very unsafe things in general. Oh, oh, they have unsafe things? I didn't notice. <laughs> they're letting students go around save the, saving the day, so I don't know. Dumbledore's pretty blasé about safety as well. But <laughs> There's so many crazy things just at Hogwarts. What else is in this freaking world, which is, I guess, probably in the Fantastic Beach, Beast movies that I'm never going to watch, but... No. Yeah. And they do, the book's a bit self-aware with that, too, when he's waking up in the hospital wing and they're having the whole discussion of what's happened because, you know, Fudge and Snape are in the hospital wing and um, Snape's telling him, oh, well, I found Harry with Sirius. He's probably getting into trouble again. And Fudge is like, yeah, we have let him on kind of a loose leash. And I'm like, you think? Like, Harry can just kind of go around doing things with impunity. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit crazy. And uh, unfortunately, in this book, we don't learn who won the won the uh, Hogwarts Cup. So my writing down of scores was unnecessary. But in case you <laughs> wanted to know, Harry only gained five points. Ron had a negative 45. <laughs> and Hermione ended with zero. So not good work, kids, this time. Not good work. <laughs> Well, there was no uh, giving them a bunch of points. Well, they see, Dumbledore actually couldn't get away with just giving them a bunch of points oh, for yeah. breaking rules because this one was very hush-hush because they let a fugitive escape. He helped them with the breaking <laughs> the rules, and so, yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't give anything away. But they didn't do so hot this time. But don't be deterred, reader, because Harry still gets to win the Wizarding Cup. I mean, the... Try... What? Try Wizard Cup? No. No, the just the just the Oh, Quidditch the Quidditch Cup. Cup yeah. My bad. Yeah, yeah. So he still gets to walk away with a big sense of ego and accomplishment in this one. <laughs> Good old Harry Potter getting everything he wants while at the same time not getting the things he needs. Strutting around the castle even though he doesn't think he does, banging his best friend's sister. <laughs> sorry we're getting ahead of ourselves there but (laughs) Ginny does jack shit I can't I think she had more stuff in the book but in the movie she didn't do anything I think she had one line and I'm like yeah this is a good character which is her tearfully saying the fat lady she's gone because I don't think she did much in the book like she was just sort of off on her own second year classmates so there needs to be a book just of like what Jenny was doing the entire time. Well, she doesn't matter until Harry decides that he wants the bone. Hey, pretty much. <laughs> hey, Ginny's growing up real nice over there. 
<laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Which is also kind of weird, actually. Harry had just saved her life. You'd think there would be some interaction, where at least it's probably him just being like, "How you keeping up?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, pretty good." No, they completely ignore Thanks each again. other in <laughs> in the movie. They completely ignore each other in the movie when they're at the uh, leaky cauldron. Harry's like saying hey to everyone, but he does not say hey to Jenny. <laughs> I know I saved your life and you had a rough year last year, but you still sent me a really weird poem, so <laughs> I don't know how I feel about you. <laughs> uh, that's why you should never write poems to your crush, kids. It's bad form. No. And if you do, don't show it to them. They don't need to know. Nope. Uh, so, uh, yeah. You got anything else? I don't think no. I got anything think else. I've Oh, I do have one thing else. I do have one thing else. Um, Let me hear. It. Worst ending. Oh yeah, freeze frame. Freeze frame on a on a blurry Harry Potter face. Brilliant. Fuck I kind of like it. Oh no, I, I hate freeze frame <laughs> endings. I, it's like the worst way to end a film. But they did have the coolest credit scene, so I'll give it that. Yeah. Oh. And it is cool in the books, he goes home and he's like, hey, don't mess with me. I just found out my godfather's a fugitive on the run for murder. <laughs> like, that oh, was yeah. Nice. See, that's a way um, better ending. That's a way better ending than a freeze frame on a f- him flying on a broom. Uh, oh, yeah. And I didn't get to brag. I got to, so, uh, what was it, last year? I don't know when it'll happen again because COVID's killing everyone. But last whoop, whoop. year for... My mom's birthday, was it? Her gift was, I went with her and my one of my best friends. I don't know if I should be naming friends. I don't know if they care. But we all went to the Atlanta Symphony because they had a live orchestral play-along to this movie. And it was the dopest shit ever. Yeah, that sounds To hear amazing. the live music while they played the movie on the big screen. Oh, they played the movie? And they did such... Yeah, they were literally accompanying the soundtrack. Or, like, just playing the soundtrack live. Um... That's awesome. Yeah, and they've done this. Apparently, it's like a group that's done this in multiple cities, and I guess they're going movie by movie. So I don't know how the hell they have the stamina. Like, even in this movie, they're essentially playing everything for about two hours and 20 minutes. And obviously, there's pauses in the music, but I don't know how the hell they keep that going on for the longer ones. But, um, yeah. You mean, it was you mean really like Chamber of Secrets, which is almost three fucking hours? Exactly, and they did do Chamber of Secrets because I've seen this come around before. They've done Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, so I guess, I don't know, I guess the fourth one's next. I don't know when it'll happen, when anything's reopening. I'm worried about what musicians are doing right now for a living. But or what the future holds in general. <laughs> nothing. Everything's ending soon. I'm convinced. There's no way. Everything's going to be podcast. That's it. We're going to be podcasting till the end as the ship goes down. When aliens show up, we'll be podcasting. Uh, as the world crumbles, the sun the sun blows out. We'll be podcasting. We'll be here for you. As the murder hornets burrow in through the cracks in our houses and find us where we're sleeping. Are those still a thing? I don't know. They're still a thing. No one's talking about those. <laughs> There's so much crazy shit. Also, no one's keeping up with the murder hornets. Also, you know about the Black Plague coming back, right? Yeah, I heard about that. What the hell? <laughs> they found another Earth-like planet. Who the fuck knows, man? I'm I'm waiting for uh, the the interterrestrials to come come back to the surface and take <laughs> the over. Lizard people. We actually find out the world actually is flat. That that they, that the the flat earthers were right, and that 
there is a giant wall blocking like a huge utopian society in Antarctica. Can't wait for that to come true. Oh man. Who knows? I'm just at one point you're just gonna have to hope that one of the super volcanoes goes off and ends it for us, or a massive solar flare wipes everything out. Who knows? No, you know what's the worst thing about everything happening besides, you know, people dying? Uh, you know, I guess that's kind of a bad thing. But the worst thing is every story that anyone ever writes is not going to compare. Fiction's dead. <laughs> like, we're now living in the craziest fucking thing. And ours, like, the real life story is now crazier than anything anyone could have came up with. Way to go, world. <laughs> Yeah. Everyone spending all their time watching movies. We finally are living in one. It's just great. Things might get shut down a second time. Honestly, I'm not complaining. Being on unemployment and being at home was pretty great. Again, I hate that people are dying and getting sick. I like being at home. I don't want to see people anyway. <laughs> you know, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking out on his name. How am I blanking out on his name? Give me oh some hints. God. Let's let's make a game. It's not gonna, it's not gonna be fun unless I say it. Uh, oh my God! It starts with a. Oh, Dwight got his wish. Wait, what? Dwight got Dwight got his wish. Oh. Because there's that there's that one office episode where he says we need another plague. Oh yeah. Well, way to go, Dwight. <laughs> Speaking, okay, speaking of The Office, we rewatched recently, and I was uh, writing down all the times Toby said something that hinted at him potentially being the strangler. <laughs> because there's a lot of creepy-ass things Toby does and says that we're just way too okay with. Um, oh my god, I didn't know that. There were a lot of theories it could have been Creed, too. I mean, there's just that one thing that never gets brought up again where he shows up on Halloween and he's like, oh, he's covered in blood and he's like, oh, this isn't a costume. This is just really fortunate timing. But for the most part, it, I don't know. I think Toby makes much more sense, but he's got a lot of just like there are some times where he's not at work on days that the, stra the um, strangler did kill someone. And like, I don't know. I forget them all, but they're written down somewhere. I guess that could be a side thing if anyone wants to hear about it. <laughs> There's a video about this on YouTube if anyone's curious. They should look it up. Is there any scenes where Toby is like using one of those like grip strengthener things? You know those things that people use to like strengthen their grip? That'd be great. That would be. Ah, oh, Toby. And someone did mention he's so, he feels so, because you know he went to the trial. He was a juror. And he's, like, so racked with guilt that he sent an innocent man to jail. And a lot of, some people think that's also because it's him and he knows. Um, yeah. Oh, Toby. And he probably did it because he could never get with Pam. He has, like, so much, like, pent-up lust and, and aggression. Yeah. That was... Oh, Pam could have been one of, the, one of the victims. That's true, dude. Ooh. And that would mean Michael Scott was right about hating him all along, because you could just tell. I mean, Michael Scott was right about a lot of things, so trust Michael Scott. Except when he's unintentionally racist. <laughs> you should not listen to that. Yeah, don't trust that. But anyway, next week, or not next week, this, 
Next we're not going to be that consistent. Well, whenever the podcast comes whenever, out. Oh, yeah. Whenever yeah. Michael gets off his lazy ass and edits everything. <laughs> I'm just yeah, I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> no, I feel bad because you're the one that has to do it. But, um, yeah. And unfortunately, I have like a bunch of projects going on right now. Yeah. But, but you know, I got to do it. We said we're so aiming to do this bi-weekly whenever we establish a schedule. Maybe. I don't know. We shouldn't promise you yeah. a schedule because life gets busy sometimes. Or it won't because lockdowns. That's true. We'll see. Um, but yeah, we're going to be talking about Goblet of Fire next. Obviously, we're going sequentially if you want to read or watch along with us. Oh, we're doing Dances with the Wolves next. <laughs> we're taking a fucking break from Harry Potter. <laughs> Look, this is but. escapism. This is your time to not think about the crazy shit happening. Not that it's not important. Not that we're downplaying it. But if you need something calm that takes you back to childhood, we're here for you. Spiders, I want me to tap dance. I don't want to tap dance. You tell those spiders wrong. <laughs>